Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox. I have a special guest on the podcast who hasn't been on in a while. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ray Costacanis. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. You know, I, you, you say that. I forget that the last time I was on was right when I joined the Who Would Win show, like very soon after we started season one, and now we're here in season four. So I'm sitting here like, well, it hasn't been that long. Oh, it has been that long. Oh. <laughs> it, is, it has been a long time. Like you, yeah, wow. you started years ago now at this point. Yeah, this is season, we're in the fourth year of Who Would Win. And uh, yeah, and, and here we are doing the thing. How exciting. And, yeah, you didn't ruin it. Apparently, it's still going and it's going better Man, than ever. If I would say so. It's always one of the funniest things that I've been in a lot of situations where I sort of step into something that's already in progress or step into a, a community that's already been running without me. And every single time, I don't know if it's just me or the way I am, but I always have somebody uh, telling me now, don't let it get to you when they hate you. <laughs> and then I step in that. <laughs> and then I step in and like, nope, like, you know, there's no more hatred than normal. And I'm just like, uh, everything's fine, dude. Why do you, why are you always so worried that like everyone's going to turn on me? Uh, everyone's already going to turn on me. That's fine. Because this is America and we all are cynical about everything nowadays. Ain't that the case? Yeah. As always, we'd like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Oh, five boy. questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. Ray, are you ready? Is that the first question? Yes. No, that is not the first question. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't, you can't lead me in like that. And then, and then double, double deek me like that. that no. That's, that's the fun of it. Right. That's the ankle breaker of questions. <laughs> Question number one. Okay. What is the best album or song you listened to in the past year? The best album or song. You know what? I just rebought on iTunes or Apple Music or whatever they're calling it now. An album I had back in the day. And that would be Beck's Odelay album. Uh, I think this one went a little bit forgotten. People remember a couple of the songs off of it. But that is an album where every single track is great. And it should have won a Grammy for best album. And it lost to like a Celine Dion greatest hits album or something. It was really embarrassing, but it yeah. was clearly the album of the year back in like 98 or whenever the heck it came out. And I would say if you haven't checked out Beck's Odelay album, it is a masterpiece. So without thinking too hard about it, that's my answer. I like that answer. I think people don't give Beck the respect he deserves. Maybe it's because of Eminem. Eminem probably well, played a part in that. Yeah, and also it's like, uh, you know, he's got that big Scientologist, you know, uh, background that everybody knows about. And so, you know, it's sort of like I told yeah. somebody, I said, hey, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I bought the album. I rebought the album. You know, I bought it on iTunes again. And, and the response I got back was like, come on, man, that church has enough money. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. They got more of it. They got more of it from me. So enjoy that. Yes. Question number two. This is going to be a timely question, but I think it's a cool one. Boy, okay. If you can pick anyone to show up in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, who are you picking? I mean, anyone. Are we, but we're not like, we, we should restrict it to Marvel characters, shouldn't we? Like, that's the... Why? Not, they may not even Because be they don't that. have the licensing and right. <laughs> I want to pick somebody who could actually show up. Okay. That's, that's where I would start. And of course, there's only one answer. There is only one answer of which Marvel character. And if you don't already know the answer, Delvin, I'll here, be disappointed here, in you. Here we go. 
The answer, of course, would be Philip Grayfield, a.k.a. NFL Super Pro. Look, he's already had crossovers with Spider-Man in the comics. And I know they don't have the rights to him anymore, but the NFL, after they've embraced gambling, you have to believe they're in it for the money at this point. Make the deal. Bring back Super Pro. Bring it all around. At the very, very minimum, even if you're not allowed to say NFL Super Pro, if there's a shot of a football game on a TV or something, or they go to a stadium and Philip Grayfield is playing, you know, linebacker or whatever, granted that would be against the canon of the comics because he never actually played in a pro game, <laughs> which makes his name kind of weird. But like, if put Philip Grayfield in a, in the uh, mouth of madness, whatever this movie's called, do that. NFL Super Pro is my answer, Delvin Cox. I just should have known the answer when it. you asked it. <laughs> it's funny. The NFL has embraced everything except kneeling. <laughs> I'll right now, Eminem being told not to kneel at the halftime show of the Super Bowl and then doing it anyway, kind of a baller move. I'm not I like lie. it. That is pure Detroit. I love it. I was, I, it you're not wrong. Uh, question number three. Okay. Speaking of Detroit, give me your top five Greatest people from Detroit. Top five greatest people from Detroit. Now, this is in no particular order, except number one is obviously me. Okay. So after that, we're going to go with uh, RoboCop. Okay. Obviously. I like that one. RoboCop. We're going to go with, uh, uh, well, Detroit. We're just going to claim Michigan people because I'm not sure exactly where. But uh, Sam Raimi obviously has to make the list. You also like going to put Bruce Campbell on the list for the okay, exact same reasons. So that's four. And you know what? The thing I like to talk about who uh, it's a funny thing. Someone I went to high school with who I've done productions with who would never remember who I am in a million years. Judy Greer, Judy Greer oh. went to my high school. So I would put her as my top five best people from Detroit. I like it. That's a solid yeah, top five. Yeah. I, I know people from high school who still keep in contact, but we were never that uh, uh, we didn't you know hang out a lot. She was a couple of years ahead of me. And so she's become a massive star in Hollywood but I'm here talking to Delvin Cox. Who's the real winner? You are by far. Thank you. You talk to the coolest people, including <laughs> me. That's fair. <laughs> Question number four. Number four. If you can pick any character to rep in a who would win battle, who are you picking? Is this somebody that we haven't repped before? Because Let's the first answer. Have not them. Yeah, the first answer is RoboCop to a victory. That's the thing I want more than anything else in the world. That may I not haven't happen. gotten it so far. <laughs> nah, maybe never going to happen. <laughs> Judges are cruel, man. Um, Delvin, uh, who have I not repped in it? But well, you know, the one that I always say is uh, Sid 6.7 from that fi famed 1995 Denzel Washington, uh, 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 Russell Crowe movie, Virtuosity. One of my favorite movies, one of my favorite action movies. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret here, Delvin. We haven't okay. actually talked about this with anyone, but this is the Delvin Cox show where things break. I like it. In every single march on the Who Would Win show, we do triple um, uh, A uh, mainstream march. That's what we call it. I, you, I, I work on the show. You'd think I know these things off the top of my head. Mainstream march. This year, we're doing a themed mainstream march that we've never done before. It's going to be uh, uh, characters from the 1980s versus characters from other decades. That is brilliant. So uh, I don't, we have it at, we have a big list of about 20 potential combatants. And what we're going to end up doing is we're going, it's a five week month. So this works out great. And we're going to end up doing uh, four battles chosen by us as far as 80s characters. 
And then our patrons on Patreon, of which you are one of them, will yes. get to vote on the fifth and final entry into 1980s or Mainstream March presents the 1980s or something to that effect. I mean, we're still putting it through the uh, the, the uh, uh, PR department right now, our marketing people. But that's the general idea of what we're going to do in March. And we have not announced that anywhere yet. So hopefully if this episode comes out in April, it doesn't matter <laughs> because you already knew. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to come out in April, but yeah, it'll, it'll come out around the same time. I'll just say that. Right. Well, it hasn't been announced yet, and I'm announcing it now. That is awesome. That is superb. I so love the answer, that of course. So the answer, of course, is uh, Sergeant Slaughter. That's who I want to rep in 80s because uh, he's an 80s wrestler. Uh, he did become the world champion of WWF at the time back in, what, 90, 91? Yes. Uh, but he was, uh, I've been wanting to use him on the show for a long time, and he is a 1980s character officially so I, he's on the list i don't know if he's gonna make the cut but that would be my hope he should i feel like you can't think of 1980 without sergeant slaughter like wrestling did you add in gi joe yeah like, yeah i mean he was a mainstay of the 70s 80s and 90s and then became commissioner slaughter after that i mean like look dude's yeah. a legend yeah facts can't disagree with that all right question number five i've asked these people this question before but you should be an expert, so you should nail this question. Oh, boy. Okay. Thanos comes to attack Earth. Has the, the stones, the gauntlet, all the good stuff. You can pick five superheroes to take out Thanos. Anybody you want to. Who are you picking, Ray? Man. Well, you know, you take some of the starting obvious ones. You know, you take uh, Superman. You do not take Iceman. <laughs> I, want, I actually want high-powered characters for this. How dare you, Delvin Cox? Uh, Superman definitely would be on any team that I'm doing for that. You got to take Dr. Manhattan. I mean, he's just my go-to. I like that. He's got the reality stone built into himself, really. And every other one for that matter. Uh, if we're allowed to just like cheat, I'll take Ultron with the infinity stones as showed up in what if uh, like cartoon. That That's not me. Look, you got to fight the stones with the stones, which basically leaves me two more open slots. So I'm going to take, Hmm. Who else? I mean, really, I don't think I need anybody else on this team, but for the sake of argument, I'll take uh, Goku just okay. because him and Superman, you know, they might fight. They might get each other's way. Maybe that's a bad call. And then I'm going to take, let's see here. I'm going to take just somebody good looking, just some <laughs> somebody good looking. I'll take Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn just okay. to hang out with, just to I, hang out with I, while I like the other that. four are doing the fighting for me. I like that. See, when you said somebody good looking, my first thought went to Jason Momoa and you clearly thought better than I did. <laughs> like, I mean, here's the deal. I would argue that Jason Momoa is a better looking person than Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. It's just not necessarily to my preference. That I agree. Way. I agree. Likewise. Look, Jason Momoa is like, he's like, he's like Idris Elba. He's like, these are some of the most attractive people in the entire world. I agree. Like, 100%. You know, if, if I come, if I come home from work and my wife is there and she's sitting at the kitchen table in a darkened room and she says, I got, I got to tell you the truth. I had an affair jason momoa i'd be like oh hell yeah dude <laughs> good job <laughs> i don't blame you he's amazing <laughs> can't even get mad about it like what chance did i what chance did i have you know yeah just high five and go yeah. back to your room play the game man me me and jason momoa uh, uh have the same taste this is great yeah maybe you can go see aquaman too for free yeah get me in let's go <laughs> but don't uh, make me watch that c show on apple that thing was terrible I tried to watch that when okay. Apple TV first came out. I'm like, yep. this is this sucks. I don't need Apple TV anymore. 
Yeah, Apple, you know, I'm going to defend Apple TV because I do like, I, I've enjoyed the morning show. It's a little heavy handed at times, but I think overall it's pretty good. Uh, I watched the first season of Mythic Quest. That was pretty good. And I feel, oh, Ted Lasso. I mean, look, Ted Lasso is brilliant. So, I mean, there's enough to watch on there. I'm sure there's more, but see or seen, I don't even know anymore. I think it's called see, yeah. I, I watched the first two episodes and I was just like, this is, this is not for me. This is not. Yeah. And then they added Batista into it apparently for season two, and I'm like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna move the needle. I love me some Batista, but like this thing already lost me. I'm sorry, Apple TV. Yeah, I, like I said, I got Apple TV when it first came out. Like I, I couldn't find out. I think the only thing I watched on it was, I think it's called the Snoopy Show. Okay. Hey, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I watched that, and after that, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't. It's nothing. You know else what? We did watch a lot of holiday specials on Apple TV. I think a lot of Charlie Brown stuff. Now that you mention it, so that's yeah, true. It's on there. Like, I'm going to pay for, I'm never going to not pay for the, I don't, these people, like, it's not that I have, like, all the money, but, like, once I get a streaming service, it's going to take a lot to get me to quit it, no matter how many they build up over time. So, like, right now, I subscribe to Disney Plus, Apple TV, Netflix, Hulu, uh, let's see here, uh, Paramount Plus, and I also got my Xbox Live subscription or Xbox uh, Game Pass subscription. Yeah. Uh, so basically, just I'm just constantly getting nickeled and dimed every single month, and just wondering what happened to all my money. But then I turn on my uh, my TV, and I have like a million apps in front of me to, to pick from. And I'm sure there's more than that. That's just what I remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I have everything to the point where I realize, and I and I have cable at that matter. Oh, because and HBO Max and cable. Yeah, yeah. got them all. Let's I'm like, why do I have all this? I'm paying more now than I've ever paid for entertainment. That was the big thing that they all talked about. Remember, because we were all paying like a hundred bucks a month for our full cable subscription with all the premiums we wanted. And people were like, cable's so expensive. I can't do it. Instead, I'm going to drop 175 for 13 different streaming services. That's the way. <laughs> it's not working. It's not working at I all. Mean, <laughs> it's not sustainable, but we'll see it. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where yeah, it goes. Definitely. So. For those who don't know, because you do a lot of podcasts, a lot of awesome podcasts in it, I am a patron of two of them. Wow. So let them know what shows about you that? do. Well, I'm right now doing three shows, uh, to be fair, four if you include the Delvin Cox experience, which Correct. I am. So my main, the main show that people would know me for would be the Who Would Win show. And the Who Would Win show is me and James Gabsey, uh, who was doing the show, uh, 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 testing it out, working out the kinks, figuring out like how this thing works uh, before I joined the operation, which is why I mentioned before, like, you know, join an operation in progress. So we started season one when I joined the show. Because B-Rob almost everything. destroyed it, if you ever heard that story. What's that? B-Rob almost destroyed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I heard a rumor. I mean, look, B-Rob, you know, I, I've been on B-Rob's show and I'm a fan of uh, uh, B-Rob for sure. I'm not going to have anything bad to say, but the stories that I heard about when he was a judge <laughs> and how hard he was to get into a, a, a family friendly yes. <laughs> environment. I don't want to say that's played a small factor in, in him not having been a judge yet since I've been on the show, but that's probably it. <laughs> so B Ross, yes. I'm going to say right now, if you could reach out to us and tell us you can behave yourself, we can talk about getting you on in season four as a judge. That's my throw uh, my sombrero into the ring. But if you can't, don't make the show too hard to edit or make we have to like cut you out entirely. That's not what the show is. So yes, <laughs> just I will say it out loud. B Rob, we've just been a little bit nervous, 
but we're not against the idea if we can make it work. Um, now, the Who Would Win show is where myself and James debate two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, video games, fantasy, anime, whatever. Anybody we can come up with. You know, we did a My Little Pony once. You know, we'll, we'll get crazy with it. Yes. <laughs> and we debate who would with three. We debate a three rounds, points and counterpoints, Lincoln Douglas debate style. And we do it with a judge who ultimately asks questions, says where they're at in the battle, and then gives us our final decision based on the arguments. And we argue who would win in a fight between these two characters. Recent episodes that we have done would be, when is this episode airing? <laughs> um, oh yeah, the beginning of March. Let's okay. call it that. Okay. So recent episodes that we've done are uh, the Shredder versus Nightcrawler. Uh, we just did Ben 10 from, I believe, Nickelodeon versus Deku from My Hero Academia. But ben also Obi is from Cartoon Network. Cartoon they Network, will, excuse they me. They will kill us if we let that slide. Uh, ben 10 from Disney Plus. We all know. Um, <laughs> a, look, I don't watch Ben 10. Uh, when we announced Ben 10 versus Deku, once we got in the boardroom and the whole team figured out that was the matchup, everybody was super excited. And, and it turned out to be a wonderful show. Yes. But I didn't know a literal single thing about either character. I, I know, a lot, I knew a lot about Deku, and I know a good amount about Ben Ten because my son was around the age to watch the show, but he wasn't a big fan of the show. It's so like okay, okay. I watched some time with him, so I knew about a little bit about both characters. So, did you listen to that episode, Delvin? Oh, I, I loved that episode. The episode was good. Great. So, so we did okay. Yeah. You did, <laughs> okay. You good. Guys did good. I was. I'm not even kidding. Before the show, I I, I told our, our production team. I said I'm a little bit nervous about this one because I've never I've never seen the show before. I know about this character because of all the research we do and watching clips and 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 reading online and articles and think pieces and stuff. But like, yeah, I I I, I it, there's like 130 episodes and I hadn't seen any of them. You know, yeah, and I think it's 130 episodes, and that's just like because there's multiple Ooh. versions of Ben 10, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 in a in a recent episode uh that we did, Luke Cage versus the T one thousand. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, pretty good I, episode. I, I always appreciate the diversity in the characters that y'all rep. It's not normally like normal characters. Like one year y'all did Kinshiro, Fist of the North Star, yep. which was amazing, against Bugs Bunny. It's Bugs Bunny. That's one of my favorite matchups. It is one of my favorites because I'm a huge Fist of the North Star fan. So Same here. I never thought Kinshiro would be on the show. Yeah, what do you mean? One of the most violent anime characters straight from the 90s? Of course I'm going to have Kinshiro on the show. <laughs> he comes from the, the era of anime that I watched a ton of anime. A, yeah. a ton of anime I, I, I would watch back in the day. Uh, uh, but then all of a sudden we hit like 2000. And I think Cowboy Bebop, which came out right around that time. That's correct. That's like the last anime that I really remember sitting down and actually like watching. Um, I don't know what anime just stopped slapping for me, like, uh, uh, at a certain point, And I just haven't, like, every time I watch one, I end up feeling a little bit disappointed and, and I had a lot of suggestions for me, but every time I watch the like I've had suggestions like, um, uh, what was it? Black Lagoon, uh, which I absolutely hated. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like that one either. Uh, Fooly Cooly was suggested to me and I could not, I felt like I had just done like dropped 20 hits of acid before, during and after seeing that. Yes. Um, and, and there have been a couple others whose names are a scale, like Death Note. Death Note was okay for a while, but got silly about a dozen episodes in, and I, I fell off. I agree with all this. Uh, Bleach. I thought Bleach was perfectly fine, but I just felt... So it's just like, I don't know. They're just not... If this had been me 20 years ago, I would have watched every episode twice, like I did with the old Dragon Ball Z series and the Vampire Hunter D 
you know, and, and all the these classics. other classics, the classics, Ninja Scroll, you know, uh, and of course, my, my all-time favorite, Lupin the Third. That's the animated go. Lupin, Lupin's great. Fist of the North Star was actually the first comic book I've ever read. That right. It's the first comic book I ever read. When I was a kid, they used to have these flea markets that used to come here once, like twice a year, called, um, it was the world's largest, quote-unquote, flea, indoor flea market. And it was on Miami Beach. So and funny. I would go there with my grandmother because she would take me there. And they would have these huge comic book dealers. With these stacks and stacks of comic books. My grandmother would give me twenty dollars and I and the comic for like a dollar a piece. Yeah. And I would just buy twenty different comic books. And the first one I bought, I bought the whole first manga series of Fist of the North Star. Look at you. All right. All right. That's a lot of heads exploding. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. And when <laughs> I saw it, I'm like, oh, I had to be like eight or nine. I'm like, Holy wow. crap, this oh, is amazing. I would, not, I would not have been ready for that at the age of eight or nine. I'm going to tell you that. right. I was barely ready for it when I saw it at like the age of like 16. Yeah. I still felt like, oh, this might even be too much for me now. This is violent. This yes. is the most violent movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but I did appreciate because when we did Kenshiro on Who Would Win, I got to re- revisit it. I, got to, I went back and watched the entire movie again. Like that's one of the things I will absolutely do for the show is if it's a movie thing, I watched every Underworld movie when we when I repped Celine. I watched every single uh, Fast and Furious movie again when I repped uh, Dom Toretto on the show. You know, uh, I love. I, give me any excuse to go and watch a whole series of movies again, or the you know Ken Shiro again. I watched Akira again when we did Tetsu, and it was wonderful to revisit these properties, which are just absolutely great. Um, but I, I barely finished answering this question. We keep getting off on tangents, <laughs> but as I've heard, that is the Delvin Cox experience. Yes. Uh, Cartoons. Speaking of cartoons, the other show I do, uh, Knowing is Half the Podcast, the G.I. Joe recap show, which started off as a show that just wanted to recap Sunbow era 1980s classic original G.I. Joe cartoon show. And I didn't know anything about where it came from. I knew very, very little about like the actors, the the writers, the, the production, the whole deal. And I just came in as a general fan of that show from when I was a kid. It was my number one all time property. I was a huge G.I. Joe fan above absolutely everything else. And kind of it stayed in my blood through all this time. So I'm talking with uh, years ago with a man named, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Robert Clark Chan. Are you yes. familiar with this individual? He's an amazing individual. Yeah. Uh, he had done his own set of podcasts. He did a show called the Science Jerks. Uh, he did, a, a, I believe he was part of like a, a pizza games and zombies podcast. Uh, these shows aren't around anymore. And I was doing a show uh, with Mr. Brent Pope of the, uh, uh, the Brent Pope, the executive VP of who would win now. Yes. And I was doing a show called The Raisin Brent Show, uh, which we were just basically just like learning how to podcast. And so we were doing a, a, an hour long comedy sports podcast, just talking about sports and football and making fun of each other and having a good time with it. And then from there, I talked to Robert Clark Chan and I said, I would like to do a show with you because we're both. Uh, I think Raisin Brent is starting to have run its course. I think we're probably done here and you're not doing anything. And I know you need to be podcasting like, like the same way a shark needs to keep moving in the water yes. or else it stops breathing. So um, he said, let's come up with a theory. We can, we talk about doing a role-playing podcast. We talk about doing a, a watch podcast, everything. And I brought to him, I said, here's an idea. I was a big fan as a kid of the old GI Joe cartoon show. And I don't know if it'd be good fodder for a, a podcast, but let's, let's watch an episode uh, just to watch an episode of the cartoon and, and we'll see if there's enough material there that we think we can do a show. And I just randomly, because I had the collection of every single episode on bootleg DVDs I bought for my own flea market sale. Okay. And so um, 
the episode we watched was the one from season two where Sergeant Slaughter gets warped by aliens back to ancient Greece and has to recreate the trials of Hercules. I remember that. And the Joes and Cobras are fighting back in ancient Greece until the aliens transport them back to their own time again. And I remember like that was literally a random episode. I just grabbed a disc and that was what was on it. And so we watched and he comes back. He's like, holy F. Yes, there's plenty (laughs) there that we can work with. So we ended up starting uh, starting at the beginning and recording all the way through. Uh, And we brought on a third person, uh, TV's Gina Ippolito, who hilariously enough, I had never met until we recorded the very first episode. That's cool. Of the show. She literally came in. She said, hello, my name is TV's Gina Ippolito. She didn't really say that. (laughs) Uh, And I'm like, hi, I'm some jerk named Ray. And then uh, we said, and then we literally just sat down at the table where the podcasting equipment was, and we just went. And, and you I, guys have such great chemistry, by the way. Yeah, it, it, it's coming. We, we, it, it made great to see Chan, uh, Robert Clark Chan knew Gina before. And so he was like, she would be perfect for the show. I didn't know her, but I trusted him. So I'm like, let's give it a try. And weirdly enough, and I don't know why we made this decision, but we picked episode like four three or four of the pyramid of darkness as the first. Why didn't we start with episode one? Wouldn't that have made more sense? But for whatever reason we didn't. So we recorded them out of order. That sounds so pro for the show. <laughs> I mean, like we're not prepared ever. Uh, anybody uh, uh, who knows this knows this. Um, we just sort of fly by the seat of our pants. But so if you go back into the feed, which is still up on the main feed, all the GI Joe is still there. A lot of it went over to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash knowing is half the podcast. got to put that in there. Patreon.com slash who would win show. Do them both. Be Delvin Cox. Um, But you can go back there and check out the fourth episode. I think it was a pyramid of darkness is the first time we'd ever like really met and tried to do it. So it's going to probably sound a lot weirder than it sounds now that we've been doing the show for like five, six years at this point. Crazy. Let me tell people this because I was a little trepidatious about when I first heard the idea. And it took me a while to actually listen to the show because Ray's been telling me, like, you need to check out the G.I. Joe pod. You need to check out the G.I. Joe pod. I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. And then one day, I literally had nothing to listen to on my podcast queue. That's when we got you. <laughs> nothing. And I, and I, and, and this is the thing about it. <laughs> I always had the G.I. Joe pod on my phone, like just loading up episodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a, it was, it, it was, it wasn't a G.I. Joe episode. It was like a Wayne Head or a Hammerman or something like that. You know what? We released for Black History Month, I think it was. No, it was for Juneteenth. It was for one of the holidays. Uh, we kind of, I turned to Chan and I said, we should do something. So we took three episodes from our archive that were Patreon only that featured uh, uh, black leads uh, yes. in celebration. And I said, let's just for free, put all three out on the main feed as a way of just saying, thank you. Here's a celebration. Let's, uh, um, let's do the thing. And it, it ended up being like hugely popular. Yes, because I listened to the episode when it finished, and I kid you not, this never happens to me. I may have listened to six episodes in a row. Oh, my goodness. How about that? back to back. Like, holy crap, this show is amazing because it's it's funny, it's entertaining. Yeah, the subtitle, the subline is G.I. Joe stuff, but it's a lot more than that. It's, It's just a blast to listen to. It's great times. Yeah. Now that we've finished, we finished all the Sunbow episodes and movies of G.I. Joe. We finished all of the Deke era, late 80s G.I. Joe. Not good. And we, <laughs> we just finished. I mean, here's the deal. Those are if you want to hear me in pain, that's what you listen to. 
Uh, some of the, but we just finished season one of G.I. Joe Extreme, the mid-90s G.I. Joe. Shockingly great. Yeah. Shockingly great. Like, it gets no respect. People respect it less than Deke. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is 10 times the show that Deke was. Uh, I'm a huge fan. We just finished finally season one to round out season five of Knowing Us Half the Podcast. And, and it was it was great. They actually, like, all the loose ends and storylines they've been working through all season, you don't expect them to do anything with them. But they, like, five different storylines got tied up in this season finale. And it's just, it was bringing me a lot of joy to watch it all come together. It's like, this was made by competent people. Now, yes, there's a lot of shouting. And it's 90s, so you have the extreme. And you've got the heavy metal music. And it's a little bit over the top and silly. If, if you could get over that, if you can accept that that's just where we are and that's what we're playing, then it's great. Like the writing, the, the writing makes sense. The villains aren't so stupid that they don't know how to like tie their shoes without dying. Uh, and, and like the plots, you know, uh, again, a little bit silly, but at least you can you can go with the reality of it and it doesn't insult your intelligence. So I agree because. I fell off of G.I. Joe because I love the original G.I. Joe series. Of course, of course. I love G.I. Joe the movie, of course. Fantastic movie. Because I'm a big G.I. Joe and Transformers fan. Big fan. When I got to Decare, I was like, this is it for me. I'm done. Got rough. Me so too. I, I never watched the rest of I never watched all of Decare, and I never watched G.I. Joe Extreme. So when you guys started talking about it, I started watching G.I. Joe Extreme. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. It's really good. Show me what we were coming in. Because, you know, if you read the reviews and everything, people say this is much worse than Deke era. And we're watching it being like, how? How? It's this not. is so much better. What are we Way talking better. about right now? Yeah. So uh, and after we do, we have one more season of G.I. Joe Extreme. And then I got to check because there's also like G.I. Joe Sigma Six, Resolute, um, uh, Revolu- uh, what is it? Uh, Renegades, I think yes. it's called. Like there are, when I started off, I only knew about there were two G.I. Joe series. And that's all I knew about. And I think I knew maybe about Resolute because it was it had just come out or was still in the fresh eye, uh, fresh eyes of the world. But then, like, I found out there's like so much more GI Joe cartoons. A lot more. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know GI Joe Extreme existed until a year ago. <laughs> I knew it existed, and this is how I found about Resolute. Yep. I bought a DVD of Resolute, thinking it was Extreme. Oh I'm wow! Like, this is a completely different show. It is. A, I've it never is, seen this. It's so dark. I own it. And I got through about an hour of it, and it's only no, it's only like an hour long. Yes. But I got through like a half hour. I got through halfway, and it was so dark. I just got sad, and I turned it off. <laughs> I got to go back and revisit. Well, we'll do it for the show. Um, but I don't want people to think if you're not into GI Joe, that's okay because we intersplice episodes of GI Joe with other cartoons from the '80s and '90s. We just did a show called The Little Clowns of Happy Town which I never heard of before, but it was, a, it was a 1986. They did one season, I think it was, 87 maybe. And it's about, it's about a, a, a town of clowns, but they're not just like people as clowns. They are genetically clowns, and they live amongst other people, except they're wacky. Yes. And it's depressing. It's terrible. It is. It is. And also, and, and who was the one who made it? Chuck Lorre. Who made <laughs> Big Bang Theory and all the others? So uh, Chuck Lorre is an amazing cartoon guy from the '80s. Shocking to see everything he got up to. Yeah, this show is not good. <laughs> yeah, if you've if you've never seen Little Clowns of Happy Town or are unaware of it, keep it that way. Yeah. Don't don't go out of your way to see it. We did it, so you don't have to. Yeah, um, literally, it's it's terrible. It's not it's not it's not watchable. Um, 
but that's okay. And so and that's knowing it's half the podcast. I definitely suggest checking it out. That that show we need more of an audience for at all times. Uh, so please check it out if you haven't already. Give us some numbers. And then the third show, the one that really needs that. an audience. Third show, the one that, that that definitely needs more eyeballs on it is uh, my three dads uh, podcast. Which honestly, even if nobody listened to it ever, we'd still keep doing it because that's the show for us. And that's the show where myself, Robert Clark Chan, and Marshall Givens, uh, who has been a judge on the Who Would Win show several yes. times, uh, the three of us uh, have kids. And so we, we used to joke when Marshall would come on the Knowing Us Half the Podcast. Sometimes he'd come on as a fourth member. Sometimes he'd come on when we, didn't, we weren't able to get Gina, and it was just the three of us. And we would joke for like two years at least that we should do a show called My Three Dads because every episode of Knowing Us Half the Podcast that all three of us ended up on became us talking about our kids anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so we just decided to do it. So we have my three dads is a show where the three of us, it's a very, it's a very low key show. Very, very chill um, show, which is shocking because I'm on it, but it's a very low key show where we, we spend the first half of the show uh, with, uh, with a topic. We just talk about like, you know, bedtime or, or dinner time, or, you know, uh, there was one episode we did about uh, how do you make your kids keep their clothes on uh, out, out of the house. Um, and That's we just talk about various things. That we've, we've dealt with and we, we kind of talk it through and we see different perspectives and we go from there. And then the second half, because we love cartoons still, we started talking about cartoons that are aimed at like very young kids, as opposed to the ones we would do on Knowing Is Half the Podcast, which are aimed towards, you know, teens, preteens, 80s and 90s, that kind of a thing. Now we're, we're talking about, for My Three Dads, shows like uh, Sesame Street or Coco Louie. Melon. Coco Melon. Oh, my God. Coco Melon. Terrible. It's not, it's not a great show. Uh, we just did Gabby's Dollhouse, which uh, look, uh, that's hey, that's OK. If you got kids and your kids like cats and you want something that's not going to uh, make you scream and frustration, little Gabby's Dollhouse on Netflix. Go for it. You know, um, but that's that's what it's all about, because if you have kids, you watch a lot of cartoons that you don't want to. So the question is, how do you guide them towards things they will watch that won't drive you nuts? Coco Melon. Not on that list. I agree. It's, it's funny you just say that because I remember when my kids were little. They're older now, like 16 and 14. I remember that struggle of them making me watch like Blue's Clues. Yo my kid really into Blue's Clues right now. We actually watched, I'm not going to lie, we watched an episode of Blue's Clues this morning. Oh, funny you should mention that. Um, They announced, and this dating the show a little bit, they announced yesterday that they're making a Blue's Clues movie. Let's go with all Man. like it's like it's like um no way home because they're bringing back all the original cast members. They're bringing back. Let's go. What is it? Joe, Steve, and a new guy. Steve. Steve needs to get paid. Let's pay. Go pay Steve. <laughs> exactly. So I showed it to my son. Like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Like yeah. you'd watch that. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. Like, okay, there you go. So you're the audience for this. So is it like a kid. gritty a gritty reboot? Uh, where you know, know they're all grizzled and unhappy. Because that it, would be that'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. It's on Paramount Plus. Well, it's going to be on Paramount Plus soon. I will be watching. Yeah, I, apparently I'm going to be watching too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, Ray. Because yes. this this is a question a lot of people want to know about. What goes in the process of looking up characters and working on characters for Who It Win Show? Oh my goodness gracious! Now, uh, uh, yeah, I, everyone's process is going to be different. You know, I know you've done similar types of shows in the past, Mr. Delvin Cox. Yes. So it, and, and I can't speak to what you've gone through to do it, but I, I gave a little bit before. 
first off, you know, we figure out who the characters are going to be, which is a big, long uh, process. A lot of a lot of people, a lot of voices, a lot of hands get involved in figuring out who the two characters are that we're going to end up using and who's going to be using each character. Like we have full veto. We will never rip a character we don't agree to. So uh, they cannot make us. That's one of the rules. They cannot make us rep a character. So I did agree to do Ben 10, despite the fact I had no <laughs> idea who he was, because in my head in, in the moment, it was just like, well, you know, it's a cartoon, you know, we say cartoon network show. And, uh, and he gets he gets requested all the time for the show. I see we, we yes. hashtag we listen. We see all of the uh, suggestions. All, and that's why I get so annoyed at seeing so many bad ones. <laughs> because like you're wasting my time with that. I, there's like 150 suggestions to pour through. And if 75 of them are absolute trash, it's just, ugh, it's just it's like, it's like having a fridge too full of leftovers. I don't want those. I want to get to the good stuff. Uh, find me, find me the Velveeta cheese. I want to make some dip. My point is, <laughs> is that we get the character. So once you have the character, sometimes I'm very familiar with the character. Um, sometimes I'm not. Uh, as you said, you know, sometimes you give me NFL Super Pro, uh, you know, or or a character like I've done the Glo- Cloverfield Monster. I did the the Russian Guardians, uh, which is one of my favorite episodes as well <laughs> on yes. the show. That was a and, great one. Yeah. And so sometimes I get a character. There's not a ton of material, but if there's like a movie to watch, I'll always watch the movie. You know, when I did Mad Max on the show, I watched all three of the Mad Max movies, uh, the original ones, because I did the Mel Gibson version. Okay. So if there is source material to reflect on, uh, I will generally, unless it's like 130 episodes of Ben 10, or it's like the entirety of Dragon Ball Z, like I'll have to go from just what I know and watch some clips because there's no way I'm going to be able to sit down and watch that. You know, But like I say, if it's, if it's from a movie or something, I will definitely go and watch the movie and take notes the entire time. Uh, from there, I usually, second place to check out is like YouTube. Uh, YouTube uh, always has a whole lot of extra clips or, or think pieces. Uh, what I did, Drist de Erden, which was a character I knew very, very little about. Uh, but the, the team convinced me after two and a half years of him being suggested for the show and me saying under no circumstances will that character ever be on the show. I don't know what was wrong with me that day. Maybe they caught me, <laughs> caught me in a happy day that I agreed to do it. And so I ended up watching like uh, other people's podcasts who were talking about history of Drist de Erden and then just taking notes, you know? Uh, anytime that I can kind of like check it out now, uh, other places, uh, a lot of these, uh, uh, bleh, too many words, uh, a lot of these websites out there that are kind of clickbaity and want you to take a look at everything. will also have just like, if you're doing, uh, we just had nightcrawler. And so I, I found an article online cause I'll just do a search for like nightcrawler gets beat by or a uh, nightcrawler, etc., And just see what comes up is you get like five characters. Nightcrawler would beep. And five characters Nightcrawler would lose to. And it's like one of those kind of trash articles. That's fine. But I read through seeing like, I wonder if there's anything here that they're suggesting. Uh, and they use a lot of you know good reference in there in order to in order to see what's up. So I will, I, there's nothing I won't check out. Oh, I'll take that back. There's one thing I will not check out. I, if, they, if that character has been done on a death battle, which is a very popular millions upon millions of views uh, a YouTube series, I will never, ever, ever watch a death battle. I, I've enjoyed them in the past, but I'll, I won't watch it. I'll only watch them if, I, if I've already done the character because uh, they've done that. You know, they do a similar thing to what we do in a very different way, but I don't under any circumstances want to even be accused of ripping off what they're doing because they are so popular. And that's like a lot of people's 
reference material when it comes to this type of show. So I, I will never watch a death battle to prepare. So any, if there's any facts that I say on the show that happen to also get mentioned in that in the death battle, it's completely that's because that material is out there. and We both found. it. Yeah, I appreciate about the show who will win at least that there's so many roads to victory and yes. defeat for that matter. Death battle was kind of like, OK, you got the battle. So winner, loser. This how you get here, but you have so many ways you can beat an opponent on who would win, including mm-hmm. which apparently wasn't a rule till recently. The two minute rule. It, it was a rule. It was just never, never actually put in the rule. Yeah, it was like a a, a gentleman's handshake or something yeah. like that. I I'm not even kidding. That was just a few like a month ago at this point where James mentioned to me before the show. He goes, "You know that the two minute thing is not actually in the rules," and I'm like, "What?" And I went and looked, and I'm like, "Oh, it's not." Since day one, we've been using that as a rule. So, go figure. Who knew? Yeah, and I always appreciate that the show is always evolving mm-hmm. and getting better. And mm-hmm. I will I will comment on something that happened on a recent episode. I won't spoil it just in case people haven't listened to it yet. You've had your first overtime. That is correct. I thought that we, was cool. We didn't know it was going to happen. Uh, you never know with the judges, especially you get a wild judge like Kevin Goatee out there. Yes. Uh, who, you know, he was very antagonistic to me the entire show. I think it does <laughs> need to be mentioned that I did feel a little bit like I was fighting the judge on top of fighting a Nightcrawler. That's happens to be the Nightcrawler episode Yes. Uh, from a few weeks ago. Uh, I will say having an antagonistic judge uh, uh, is irksome. I want judges to be fair and impartial. I do not, if a judge starts taking shots at me during the show, that makes me feel that they cannot be trusted to render an accurate decision. That's all I'm going to say. We've had some judges who have had some fun with the format and with the hosts who I have not felt gave their all when it came to their decision. You may have noticed some of those types of judges I'm talking about do not come back on the show. (laughs) I always appreciate because I've been a judge, I don't know what, three times now? Um, uh, too many times, uh, quite honestly. <laughs> You're right. I get, I've given you too many victories at this point. So. Well, not enough victories. I mean, <laughs> you've ever given me a loss, it's too many. <laughs> I, I as Speaking from the judge perspective, it's not easy. It's very difficult. I know people, People. a lot of people want to come in and back, what, what does the expression go? Backseat, court drive. Oh, yeah, show and things like Monday that. morning quarterback, backseat yes, driver, all that stuff. Yeah. They want to say, oh, you should do this, you should do that. No, there are a lot of things you have to take into consideration when you're a judge and when you are a debater in terms of, because I, I, that's one of the things I would, becoming a judge make me appreciate that aspect of it just that much more because you've got some rep characters that I know, characters that I love, characters that I appreciate. And sometimes there's so much history there's so many characters. It's only so many things you can bring up. So when people get on Twitter and be like, oh, you should have brought this up. Well, there's a thousand other things I could also brought up too, but sometimes that stuff just doesn't make the cut. You only have three points that you get to make, and each point is supposed to be like, it's supposed to be three minutes, but, you know, James goes six or seven and has to be edited <laughs> for time. Let's look behind the curtain on that one. The number of times I just have to stop him. Because he just he'll just keep talking forever if you let him. And it's just you might hear on the show, you know, if James if James is making like a, a five minute point, assuredly, if his points feel like they're going long, they went much, much longer <laughs> had to be edited down for time. 
Uh, and then after the show's over, I'll say to him, I'll be like, you know, we have timers. You know, you're supposed to, you know, we, we have rules. We have rules to these debates in the show. And he goes, oh, well, I just wanted to make sure I said A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, B. And I'll just be like, yeah, but you didn't because they won't be on the show because we're <laughs> editing it down and cutting them out. So why did you bother? <laughs> you're leaving the editor. You're letting the editor make your point for you instead of you when you do it that way. That's dangerous. James is Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Oh, my God. And, and what I mean by that is Hulk Hogan does the whole wrist to the ear and things like that. And he's the, the good guy and all that stuff. But then he'll do like a back rake. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll thumb in your eye every five seconds. Like, it's crazy. And and, and I, I didn't notice that till I was an adult, like what watching like 80s wrestling. Like, Hulk Hogan's cheating an awful lot in this match. How is Hulk this okay? Hulk Hogan's one of the biggest cheaters in all professional wrestling history. Yeah, he, just, he closed fists. He eye gouged. He back raked. He did everything, you know, that you're not, that all the bad, if a bad guy did it, you know, uh, uh, if Ric Flair did it, you'd be like, he's the dirtiest fighter in the world. And then Hulk Hogan does the exact same moveset. And you're like, yay! Rich cheering them all. Like, what are you, what are we doing? Oh, it's <laughs> disgusting. Hulk Hogan. Uh, I used to, when, well, here's the deal. I'm the only person. In WrestleMania 7, uh, who was rooting for Sergeant Slaughter to beat Hulk Hogan, even though he was an Iraqi defector. <laughs> I was rooting for him the whole way. Didn't pull it off. Uh, spoiler alert for WrestleMania 7. Uh, Hulk Hogan took the belt back from the Iraqi defector and traitor to his country, Sergeant Slaughter. And I was very upset by it. Yeah. Seems like you were probably right about that one. <laughs> All things considering. Because Hulk Hogan like hits him in the face with like a chair and stuff. And I'm just like, what is, you're not a good guy. What is this crap? Yeah, that's the Hulk Hogan way. It really is, you know, and that is, and that is an apt thing. You know, uh, James is a Hulk. See, I'm, I'm very honest when it comes to my uh, 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 trickery on the show. You're Piper. Um, I, I, I will absolutely, I will own it. I sometimes try to get away with things on the show. And uh, oftentimes James is there to uh, stop it from happening. But not always. So you got to keep trying. Yeah, I, I appreciate that about the show because at the end of the day, it's a debate show mm -hmm. and it's a fun debate show. And I like the fact that you guys kind of push the edge on what you can get away with and what you can't. And it's up for us, the listeners, to like, hey, he's not supposed to do that. Yep. And it's, not, it's up to the judge to stop it. But yeah, the judge has to catch it. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, one thing that we've done, I don't know if we've actually expressed this out loud, but I'll say it. Um, we have a, a new philosophy when it comes to our judges in season four. Now, we've had three full seasons of the show in order to kind of like figure, like we, we did a lot of experimentation. We tried a lot of different things. When we first started season one. We were doing the show with like an audience and we had like a, an engineer who became a character on the show and interacted with us. And we did that kind of stuff a lot. We were trying all kinds of different things to just like, Throw the you know throw the uh, pot of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. You know that was sort of the attitude, and there was like no idea we wouldn't like give a shout out to. We wouldn't try, so we did a whole bunch of little segments and all this other stuff. And we'd say this works, this doesn't work, and we keep refining the show as we go, and making that happen. Now one of the things that we found is like who's a good judge and who isn't because we tried uh, any manner of anything. You know we we brought on a lot of people that I've known for the last twenty years of comedy. Uh, we brought on a lot of comedy people and, and people that I've worked with in the past, you know, the, the Marshall Gibbons, the Robert Clark Chans, uh, you know, of, of the world. 
And and James uh, on his side brought in a lot of people that he had like production contacts with. And we ended up with a lot of uh, fashion influencers and fitness models. And we found that, and it turns out the comedy people were a little bit better at this than the fitness models were. Who knew? Yeah, who would have thought it? <laughs> who would have thought it? And so we basically, we, 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 at the end of season three, as season three started wearing down, the entire team sat down and we ranked every single judge on a scale of like one to five. And we said, like, let's take all the rankings and we'll put them all together. And like, we'll just do a little ranking of uh, uh, essentially like uh, how good are their decisions? Like how, how much do they like, you know, do, the, do a good job? Um, how good is their personality on the show? And how good are they on social media outreach uh, as far as like trying to get people to come to the show? And um, it was really weird that Delvin Cox scored very high among, <laughs> among the team. I don't know how that happened. I rated him one, one, and two. But <laughs> these things just happen, I guess. I still never forgive you for Vision versus uh, Samus. But the point I'm trying to make is <laughs> that we made a list. We, we, we Instead of having a huge pile of judges and people that we've been able to get uh, we decided to narrow down our judge field much, much smaller. So we have, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 13 to 15 overall judges uh, as our stable right now. And we understand people's scheduling. They can't always do the show. So we have a little bit more in there than we would need. But uh, we're going to also keep bringing in new people as we have access to them and give people like a tryout or a chance. But they're a big enough name that we think they would could come on and just do the job. Um, but what you're going to see in season four is a lot of our best judges repeatedly coming back over and over and over again. So you're going to get a lot more consistency as far as how the matches flow, how they're called. And you're going to get hopefully a lot less off the wall, bizarre decisions, which don't make anybody feel good at the end of it. I, I, I like that. I, I always appreciate when a judge can explain their decision and their logic, because that's very important. Like, hey, just be logical. That's it. Yeah. Just listen to what's being said and then present your take on what you just heard. You know, I hate to throw anyone under the bus, but I'll do it anyway. We had a battle <laughs> last year between Solomon Grundy and Eleven for our Shocktober, a big Shocktober battle. And uh, nowhere in that battle did James Gavsey imply that Eleven could on command open a portal pick somebody up telekinetically, throw them in that portal to the, uh, to the under underground or it was upside down. Yes. And, and then close the portal behind her. Like no one, nowhere was that ever mentioned, but the judge gave the win to 11 with that exact scenario playing out, which never had been even like touched upon. Like, you know, we made the point that she could close a portal given like three hours of intense concentration. <laughs> Not that she could pick up a character as powerful as Solomon Grundy, dang ragdoll him in the air a whole bunch, whip open a portal like she was Doctor Strange, and then just whip him into it and then walk away. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not a thing she could do. So uh, uh, that judge was wonderful, too. That judge, one of the best personalities we've had on the show, did a wonderful job during the show, and that decision was so actively bad and made no sense. It, it, made a, it makes us hesitate having, and I won't name names, but it makes us hesitate having a judge back on the show again when they have such a, a aggressively bad decision as that. When I, I remember that episode because when that decision happened, it made me go watch Stranger Things again. I'm like, <laughs> did, did I? I'm like, did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did I? She did smaller, smaller versions of every single piece of that conclusion 
but never at the same time and never to the level that he tried to pretend to it. So like, you know, uh, I think even after the battle was over, James actually off air was like, I don't know what he's talking about. That's one of the worst decisions we've ever had on the show. And I won, he says, you know, so it's just like, you know, we know, we know at the end of the day, if we should win or should lose oftentimes, sometimes it's 50, 50, we don't know, but sometimes we, you, between the two of us, we can feel it. We can feel when we've done enough to win. So when you feel like you're like a 98% chance to win and the judge comes with some bizarre off the wall reason that doesn't even make sense or is based on what you just said to have the other side go. It makes no one on the team happy. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like it when it's close and when but you we, can see it's close. We make the matches to be close, you know? Even if walking in the door, people are like, oh, this is a one-way stomp. We've put enough thought into the matchup ahead of time. We can guarantee you it is not. And I like that about the show. I like that. Yeah. Even when it seems weird and awkward, when you listen to the episode, you're like, no, this makes perfect sense. Yep. Both sides could probably win this if yes. things went a certain way. And it's our job to convince the judge of that, you know. So we just want judges to pay attention. So that's why we've narrowed it down. Uh, there's a lot of judges who you probably will not necessarily be seeing as often or at all. Um, but there are some other judges. Um, Delvin Cox might be one of them unless I get to get some input in uh, uh, and, and block him again. Um, but uh, we there's gonna be a handful of judges, the Delvin Coxes, the Crystal Storms, the uh, the what the Adam MacArthur's, you know, the Robert Clark Chans of the world. These people will be back more often before we'd have you guys on maybe once a season, twice, maybe the now goal is going to be three to four times each over the course of the season. So. Yeah, I like it. I, I like it so much. I changed my header on my Twitter. Just say who will win judge. See, I, that's that's the real world right there. I, I think it's cool. I, I appreciate it's an honor to me because being a fan of the show for so long and watching it grow and then being a part of the show is like just amazing to me. So I'm forever grateful for that. And I, and one thing that makes me laugh, I was goofing about it on Twitter a little bit ago, but the sheer number of messages and DMS and emails that we get, which are just like people wanting to be a judge on the show. And I can appreciate you love the property. You love what we're doing. That just doesn't mean anybody can just walk in off the street and be a judge. Yes. We've had judges who it felt like that's what they did, and it never went very well at <laughs> all. Like, you know, uh, so I, I was making a joke. It's like, hey, I just started a podcast two weeks ago, and I have eight listeners, so I think I'm ready to be a judge on the Who Would Win show. <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. One of the worst things we want to have is people who are big-time fans of the show who already have preconceived biases and notions and we don't even know if they're good performers or not. If they haven't proved themselves somewhere that we've seen, it's a hard sell to have us uh, have them be judges on the show. We got a we got a message. This is a little bit ago. We got a message from a mom who said, "Before you say no, hear me out. My ten year old son should be a judge on your show." <laughs> and and he, he loves it. he listens to every episode. And I'm like, great, I, that's wonderful. Uh, he he really breaks it down. I'm just like, you know, at the end of the day, that's wonderful. And we appreciate our fans. Well, I don't, but James appreciates <laughs> our fans. Uh, we definitely, without the people tuning in, the people checking out the show, then we just don't have a show anymore. You know, that's just how things end up working. So we try to keep it good for everybody. Part of keeping the show good for everybody to get more listeners and build our audience is not making horrific decisions when it comes 
to judges and sight unseen, a random 10 year old whose mom is emailing us probably is not going to move the needle as far as changing our opinion on that. I agree. So final question, final topic. What made you guys start the Patreon and what's that process been like so far? Patreon. Now it's patreon.com slash who would win show. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, we've been doing things with Zoit Media. And I don't know how much I'm allowed to actually talk about our experience with Zoit Media, um, but they were lovely people. We met them at a comic book show and they were doing their own show called Digital Sky. And so we wanted to just like not necessarily like be part of their team, but uh, we wanted to just work with them. They, they were nice. They had a good show. Uh, we really, really liked their, their ideas, their, their promise. They ended up doing a show called Superhero Diaries. I remember that. Uh, which was out there, too. And so uh, through just like working together and doing ads for each other and sort of cross-pollinating a little bit, like me and James appeared on the Digital Sky show. And some of the people from Digital Sky became judges on the Who Would Win show. And, and that was a lot of fun uh, with various varying levels of success. And, uh, and so we started working together. We became a Zoit Media production and we joined them uh, for a certain period of time. And as of the end of season three, we no longer work with Zoit Media. Ah, more about that, but we are not going to be working with them anymore. Um, but they were covering a lot of our bills during the times that we were working with them. And so we thought to ourselves, and we've been talking about it for a while. At first it was, we would never do a Patreon for the show. Because it's just, you know, we're trying to sell the show. We're trying to do this and that and the other thing. And once you set up a Patreon, you're sort of pigeonholing yourself into this particular role. And then we, we sat there uh, towards the end of season three, knowing that sort of this, uh, this backing was not going to be with us anymore by, by mostly our choice uh, through, through their actions. But that's the point inside. The thing is, uh, uh, we said, well, we, we want to like open up the, uh, the avenue streams. We, we have a lot of good advertisers. You know, we're, we're, we're doing well with a lot of the ads we have coming up. If you haven't checked out Magic Mind, magicmind.co slash www. Magic Mind is a green shot that we'll see. My point is it'll give you energy. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm gonna let you... um, but we, there's so much extra content. You know, we have video content. We have outtakes. We have, you know, just weird things that we'll say or get cut from the show that we still kind of want to slip in there so people can see it and see behind the scenes a little bit of the show as it goes. And so there's a lot of extra, we saw there was a lot of extra stuff that we wanted to do. And we also wanted to have more freedom of letting the, the, the fans of the show, the patrons of the show, uh, actually get a vote to actually determine who gets to be on the show instead of making suggestions or doing a fan vote to test the waters of things like we've done previously. The fans of Patreon actually get to vote on what characters will be on the show once a month. And I so we that. wanted to, we wanted to give that up to people who wanted to support us. And we wanted to have a place that we could sort of like be a dumping ground for all this extra content and videos and stuff that we've been putting together. And we haven't had that up to this point. So we thought we'll put it behind a Patreon. Literally uh, like we say the $5 tier is the lowest tier. And you pretty much get access to nearly everything. And that's true, but you get a lot of that from the $1 tier as well. If you just want to see the extra bonus videos at the $1 tier for Patreon, it's open to you. You can see all of the extra videos. You, the only, you just don't get to vote. Uh, and there's a few other things you won't get to do. But if you just want to support and be a part of it, come in for $1, see if you like it. Like, you know, I, take the challenge. I'm glad you clarified that because I don't think a lot of people know that. Like, yeah, if, if you been, just want to try been, it, dollar tier. Yeah, it's been expressed uh, uh, maybe poorly on the show up to this point, some bad messaging. But if you come in for the $1 tier, you don't just like thank you and go away. It's here's all here's like all the videos, you know, here's a lot of stuff we can do. 
We'd like it, obviously, if you were to do a bigger tier, but we're not going to like, we just want you involved. We want as many people on the Patreon as possible. So if we could do a pledge drive of some kind, patreon.com slash who would win show. Uh, there's a lot of Delvin. You can speak to this. There's a lot of content on there already and more every single week. Like we're posting on there like every day, every other day. Yes. Do stuff constantly. So, I mean, why don't you, you're a member. You tell the people why they should do it. It's a, it's a lot of stuff on there. My favorite so far is the kind of the confessionals after the, after the episode, the winner kind of gets to do their little victory lap that you get to see. Mm-hmm. And the better part, the loser <laughs> gets to, 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 to speak their piece on why they lost and what exactly happened. It's kind, it's kind of cool because it's like it's like football, almost like football, how you have the victory, you get to see the winners, you get to hear, have the, like, yep. the players like say, oh, well, this has happened, this didn't work, this didn't work. And I, I love that aspect of it. It's really cool. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of all the other. The other thing that we're just adding in is the third degree, which is a brand new two, two, six, two six segments that we've added. The third degree is at the end of the match, we keep recording. Uh, it doesn't show up on the podcast, but uh, the, the whoever loses the match gets to ask one pointed question to the judge and give them a piece of their mind and sort of just like track with them or get out some emotion. And yes. so that's a thing that now exists. Uh, as well, and a, a brand new segment that was created by Mr. Robert Clark Chan. Uh, it was his idea, so I give him full credit. Thunderdome, which is an impromptu on the spot five minute battle that me and uh, James do no prep work for whatsoever, and it's only one round of one minute each. And we have to, we're just given a random character, and then we just on the spot come up with a battle plan. And those have been very silly and very fun as well. Uh, I would argue that. Uh, were you on the episode where uh, uh, where it was Robert Clark Chan's? No, I was okay. on the one where. What were you on? I don't. I don't. I can spoil this. I was on the one where James completely messed up. <laughs> okay, well that's all of them. So that help me at all. <laughs> well, he forgot the size of the character. Oh, he did. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so there was a recent battle, and I, I I couldn't remember who the judge was. So I, I just know you've done one fairly recently. Yes. Um, but it was. Robert Clark Chan, uh, he, he, he said, it's it's Robert Clark Chan at the age of 10 with an angry Chucky puppet versus <laughs> angry Robert Clark Chan at the age of 20 working in a used bookstore with a lot of angst. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite battles we've ever debated. <laughs> that is oh, you know fantastic. Who the, you, know who, you know who the judge was for that one? Robert Clark Chan was the judge for that one. That's why it makes all the sense in the world. So uh, we got to we got to take a, a a photo trip of Robert Clark Chances. It was a lot of fun. Um, but all of these they're all on our Patreon, patreon.com slash who would win show. I encourage all your listeners to come in, give it a try, give it a driver a dollar. If you want to vote, give it five dollars. If you want to be mentioned on the show, and and we'll I'll make up a little uh, a, a battle for you personally. Uh, that's a higher tier. You know, like we, we open things up. You know, we have ad free versions of the shows that you can listen to at the higher tiers. And uh, every time we put out a new T-shirt, uh, we have a we have a merch tier. And every time we put a new design in the store, if you're part of the merch tier, I'm just going to send you one. That is super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we all appreciate you know the value of money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm always like, if you enjoy something, support it. If you enjoy a performer, find a way to support them. And are the way to support Who Would Win show besides listening to every single episode. And, and checking out our advertising sponsor partners and all that 
is join us on the Patreon. That's the most simple way. It's not that expensive. You know, if you get enough enjoyment, if you get $5 worth of enjoyment out of the show every single month, if it fills that for you, we would appreciate you coming in and in helping give back to us. That's all. Yeah, I agree. I think it's dope. I like the fact that you guys are kind of doing your own thing and have a Patreon. I think it's a long time coming. Yeah, and it's it's a slow build. Um, you know, uh, we definitely would like more patrons uh, than we've gotten, but we've only had it up for like a month now or something. So it hasn't been particularly long. But we feel that the the audience is there and that this could be a lot bigger. I just don't think people know how much stuff is on there or maybe they've never done a Patreon before or they've never been a patron before. It's super easy. You can sign up and do it very, very quickly. And it's it's not weird. It's very easy to sign up and it really would help us out. Yeah, definitely do that. So patreon.com slash show. That's correct. There you go. So sign up for it. Go check out all the awesome content. Great show. Great conversation. Ray, I appreciate you. You're the we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about the Super Bowl right now because my man, Matthew Stafford, is a <laughs> world champion. And if you thought you were getting off air without hearing me talk about that, you were wrong. All he had to do was leave Detroit. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Look, I became a champion after I left Detroit. What are we talking about right now? <laughs> no shame in that. Oh, man. They're not going to let you back in. Right? They already won't let me back in. I've already come to grips with that. They put up a big sign saying, you're not welcome, Ray. Yeah, that's the problem. So look, you lose with RoboCop twice on the show and, you know, uh, cause meet effect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, understandable. So let them know where to find you at, Ray. Man, you can find me a lot of different places. You know, uh, uh, currently I'm working on a uh, mobile video game. It's called NFL Clash. I may as well give a shout out to them as well. Of course. It's a free to play mobile game. If you like football, if you like the NFL, uh, it's a fun arcadey kind of a game that we're constantly working on, making improvements towards. And um, lots of stuff I can't talk about just yet. But it's NFL Clash in your Google Play or uh, Apple's App Store. Uh, check it out. Maybe you like it. Maybe yeah. you don't. I don't know. If you like football and you like kind of quick play, six-minute action, you know, uh, throw the players on the field and have them run plays and stuff. If, that's, if that sounds like something you'd like to do, check it out. If you don't know about it, now you do. Um, we always could use more people for that. Um, also, about my shows, My Three Dads. You can find that out at, uh, at My Three Dads Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can always check out that show, and that's that's the show I'd love to get some more audience for. If you're a father or a parent of some kind, and you'd like to just hear some conversation about three guys with kids, just keeping it chill and just talking about cartoons and kids, that's what that show is all about. If you want to talk about just if you like naughty chat about animation and anything else, it's a very random. It's a it's a show that goes in a lot of different directions. I'm talking about knowing is half the podcast, the GI Joe recap show. Great started show. as just a GI Joe show. Now we also talk about shows of the 80s and 90s. We did every episode of the Masters of the Universe Revelation on Netflix. We did the first five episodes of that as well. So there's a lot of things to talk about on there. We love cartoons. We like pop culture. And we like just talking. We like going in weird tangents. That's that. Yes. Sure. If you know anything about the show, that is a fact. And of course, the Who Would Win show. Oh, at G.I. Joe Podcast for uh, knowing it's not the podcast. And Who Would Win show at Who Would Win show. Uh, myself and James Gadsey debate superheroes, uh, ca- comic book characters, anything else we can think of. We try to keep it fun. We try to keep it fresh. We try to hit all the angles and we try to uh, make the show as good as it possibly can be every single week. We're in season four right now. And you can check us out. Patreon.com slash who would win show. If you'd like to support us that way after hearing this great conversation that we had. Uh, otherwise, just check out the show. All these shows are available on 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the heck you pod- find podcasts, we're probably on there with all three shows. So uh, give it a listen. You know, check check it out if you if you like what you've heard here. And why wouldn't you? I'm great. Those are shows that you could probably enjoy. And if you don't, at least try them out so you can say you did it. I don't know. They all have all three shows have very, very different energy. Yeah. And all three shows are great. So definitely check this stuff out. Oh, and then online, you can just find me at Almighty Ray on Twitter. Uh, Find that. Find all the other stuff we're working on. Uh, I will. I'm going to drop a little bomb right here because I haven't been talking about this a lot with a lot of people. Only in small hushed circles. Okay. But I am currently in the process of writing and then hopefully eventually fully producing an audio drama podcast of my own. That sounds cool. Yes. Uh, I've been inspired by, I was inspired by a show and we had the stars of the show on the Port Saga show. Ah, yeah. That was a good episode. I remember that from uh, last, they were part of the Celine versus Morbius episode. Uh, we had the, we had two judges for that show. That was great. They were both wonderful, Rachel and Diane, uh, the writer and producer and star of the Port Saga show, which I will give a quick plug to. I love that show. Uh, they did a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. And I was inspired because I've had my own Vampire the Masquerade. Big fan of that White Wolf property from the 1990s. I've had my own idea for an audio, for a drama, for a show. And I saw them do Port Saga and I'm now currently in the process of writing an audio drama based on the world of darkness, Vampire the Masquerade as well. That could be could be good. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's going to suck. I don't know. But I'm currently writing it with hopes of getting it out sometime this year. Um, but there's a lot of work between there and now. That's going to be dope. Do you think it'll be out by the time the game comes out? When does the game come out? I think it comes out later this year. I want to say fall. Yeah, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Is that the one you're talking about? I think so, yeah. There's two yeah. games, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 the, the World of Darkness has got, like, uh, another company has kind of taken on the produce, production rights of it. So they just put out a fifth edition. Um, the story I'm writing actually takes place in the third edition back in the 1990s. Oh. So it takes place back in the mid-90s. That's a good time to, what, to take place. My favorite time uh, for Vampire the Masquerade. I feel like the storylines got a little bit weird and hard to work with, but I think back then is when it was really hitting on all cylinders. That's really what I want to focus on. So, um, you know, uh, they're also working on Port Saga season two as well, and I don't want to interfere with them. So uh, uh, I have to talk with when when I have it ready to go, I'll release it when it won't interfere with them because I respect them too much to to counter program. on. That's awesome. So anyway, I I, I can't promise it's going to be out this year, but I'm doing everything in my power to get it written. Uh, and then once it's written, we have, you know, you know how it works. You have to cast it. You have to then record it. Then you have to produce every episode. And I'm going to be doing all of that myself. This is the side thing I'm doing on top of three podcasts, a full-time job and a family. So we'll see. We'll see how that works. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you have nothing else important to do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know. things. <laughs> so here, but here's the deal. At the end of the day, uh, uh, if it sucks, that's on me. If it's great, that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Hey. Thank you for coming on, Ray. This has been a blast. Well, thank you very much, Delvin Cox. I really appreciate you having me on your show. Let's not wait 26 years like between the last time I was on the show. I agree. If we can help it. And and vice versa, please don't come back on the Who Would Win show. You've done enough. <laughs> we do, I think we've done. We, we, we've run the course. Thank you for being on the show. And, you know, I'm sorry about never being on again. I appreciate that, Ray, and I'll be on next time.
<laughs> Probably. I have no say in it. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. And as always, Delvin Cox Experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, there is more exclusive podcasts, including I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, that is the hip-hop podcast I do with Mr. Tim Hines, as well as the Boondocks, which is a Boondocks review show I do with my son, Delvin Jr. With that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to Patreon producers, Shirley Walker, Ghost Rider UK, and Mikey Famine. Thank you. God bless.